Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. All right, so let's go ahead and start off with Scripture today. And guess what? If you forgot your Bible, that's okay, because I gave you Scripture, a Scripture card. Okay, so this is from, this is from last week. And uh, then we'll highlight, do a little bit of review for, from last week if you weren't here. Uh, but we're going to look at uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 through 5. Okay, so the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. They have divine power to, to demolish strongholds. We demolish strongholds. Wait a minute, am I getting it right? Yeah. Yeah, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make them obedient to Christ. So this was our scripture from last week. And here's what we're going to do as a church. Because when we begin to develop this spiritual warfare side of us, when we begin to really uh, press on in and, and taking back territory and taking back territory of our mind, it's going to require getting the word of God inside of us. It's going, and this, you're not going to like this. It's going to require that we meditate on this good word day and night and that we are faithful to do everything in it. As Joshua says, if you meditate on the word day and night, be careful to do everything in it, you will be prosperous. You will succeed. You will win this battle of the mind. And so I'm going to push us to memorize scripture. And it, like, I'm not good at it. I'm going to be transparent pastor right now. I don't like to memorize scripture. I'm terrible at it. Like, I was the pastor's kid in Sunday school, and I was like, you know, all these other kids, like, knew their scripture, and they, they had the whole Bible memorized, and I was like the lackey that couldn't do it. But I have a reason for that. Because I have dyslexia. So, Lord, I, I, I've got a really good reason as to why I can't memorize scriptures, because I just can't do it. So that was my reason. But is that really a good reason? No. So will you uh, be okay if every once in a while I'm trying to quote Scripture and I don't get it quite right? Yeah. Yeah, you okay with that? All right, so let's do it. Let's do it together. Get your card out. We're going to say it out loud on the count of three. One, two, three. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5. Now, what just happened, we maybe didn't even realize it. Actually, did you actually feel something change in the room a little bit? Because there's a difference between reading the word and then declaring the word verbally over your life. So if you get sick, you need to find some healing scriptures and don't just sit there and read them in your mind. Declare them out loud in the atmosphere over your body. Things change when we begin to speak it. There's almost, this is going to sound weird and maybe new age, but there's a frequency change when we speak the living word of God out loud. And if things are changing in the spirit, if things are changing in heavenly places, they're going to be changing in you once you begin to declare this word of God over your lives. So it's very exciting. So I want to encourage you to follow along. Get this scripture, put it on your visor, put it on your mirror, and begin to say it each and every day. Get it inside you. Eat it up. This is a good one, obviously. And from last week, 
talked about what is what is a stronghold. So the stronghold, as I said, is these castles or these fortresses. There's these big giant things that have been set up into our mind. Sometimes they happen long ago. Sometimes uh, strongholds get placed in our minds because of trauma or grief or hurt or loss or betrayal. Something happened. And the enemy of God has taken advantage where he's put a major piece on our board and they, they're very difficult to move. They're very difficult to penetrate. Uh, the illustration that, that I wanted to do, and I just can't do it in good consciousness. I just can't, I can't do it. Uh, but is, is Monty Python's quest for the Holy Grail. Raise your hand if you've seen the movie. Okay. So some of you know, okay. So maybe what I'll do is I'll censor it and show it in a couple of weeks. Um, but it, it's great because King Arthur is on this spiritual quest for a Holy Grail, for Jesus's cup, for the, the communion cup or the cup that caught Jesus's blood. Church myth says it was also the communion cup. We don't know. Probably not. Um, So he's on this spiritual journey inside of his own land, inside of his own territory in England. And he comes across this stronghold, this fortress on the field, on the board. And so he's knocking on the door. He says, says, hey, uh, I'm on a quest to find the grail. Can you help me find it? And then annoying French people pop up. And they immediately begin to taunt the king. And they make fun of him. Here's a really interesting thing that happens. The king says, who are you? And he says, we are French. Can't you tell by our ridiculous accents? He's like, okay. You ready for this? What are you doing here? And the French reply, that's none of your business. And this is what happens to our minds. The enemy of God comes in and puts a a castle, a fortress, a stronghold, where there's some annoying thing that's taunting us, that's that's making us believe things, that's throwing junk on us and getting us slimed. And we say, wait, what is this thought doing in my mind? And the enemy of God says, that's none of your business. And I'm here to tell you today, it is your business. You have complete authority for absolutely every thought that is in your mind. Don't let the enemy lie to you and say, it's none of your business what's going on in your thought life. No, you have complete control over your thought lives. So right away, we need to begin just to capture every thought and make it obedient. Now, inside of these castles, inside of these fortresses and these strongholds, there are the weapons of the enemy. The weapons of the enemy. And, um, you know, they had bows and arrows and rocks and boiling hot tar and all kinds of horror. In Monty Python, they were flinging cows at the guys. It's hilarious. There's all kinds of artillery and weapons inside of those castles that are built up into our minds. Symbolically, they look like this. We've talked about this. Fear and anxiety is a weapon of the enemy that is inside of these fortresses. We've spent a significant amount of time talking about fear. Fear is that paralyzing force in your life. You, you come up against a hard thing, like you need to make a decision, you need to move forward, you need to, something needs to change in your life. It's something is very difficult in your life. And if you become paralyzed, like if you're that deer that's caught in the headlights, you've been captivated by that spirit of fear and you need to break it off. 
Because God does not want us to be paralyzed. He doesn't want us to run away either. That's the other impulse when we are attacked by fear and anxiety is that we run. And like I can't tell you like how many times, like, you know what? I'm just going to go to Santa Barbara. That's my tagline. Like whenever things get stressful, stressful in the office, all the, the staff can attest to this. I'm like, I'm going to Santa Barbara and I'm not coming back. I, I, I never do. But that's, that's, the, that's the idea behind it. So whenever we're plagued by fear and anxiety, stress, we're either going to freeze up and not do anything and get eaten by the bear, or we're going to run away and not, not face our problems. And the, the, God wants us to run towards our problems. He wants us to face them off. He wants us to put on some big boy pants, big girl pants, and face our fears. So that's one of the weapons. The other weapon that is inside, there's a lot. I don't even think I can get to all of them today. We're going to focus on one really important one. So I kind of, I rewrote my message during worship. I hope that's okay. The other one plagues our culture and our society. And this is the inability to focus. We have, I am Preachers and pastors, most of the time, we spend a lot of time talking about sin and all the wrong things that you did wrong, and that's why your life is all messed up. It, it's probably true, right? I don't know. You did a lot of naughty things this week, and you know, you're, you're, you're a bad person. And it preaches. It preaches really well, like guilt and fear and condemnation. It preaches very well. But sometimes what is really holding us up is not necessarily our past sins that we can't forgive ourselves for. Our inability to actually love ourselves. Like we need to love ourselves. God loves you, so let, let's get on the same page with Jesus. If Jesus loves you, then you can love yourself. We can come up with all kinds of reasons and excuses as to why we're not winning. And here's one that we don't necessarily see because it's a sneaky one. It is the, it is the, undo, it's the divided mind. It's the mind that can't focus. Like, this is very difficult. I'm a boy. I have an overactive imagination. I was the kid that was spacing out in class half the time. That's just that's the way God wired me. Sometimes it's the strength. A lot of times it's the, it's the weakness. So you ready for this? If you have an attention deficit disorder, do you know that the enemy of God can use that to derail you? Like he can actually use that deficiency in your inability to focus on something and he can amplify it to keep you off track. Another great movie. Remember the movie Up, the cartoon? I, don't know, I forgot who did it. Was it Disney? Yeah, yeah, okay. So with the old man, the balloons in the house and... And they go on an adventure. They go on a quest. They go on a spiritual quest, right? And uh, there's this adorable Labrador dog. And he is a lot like us. A lot like us that have been captivated by the love of God. Sometimes I just see myself and I see this church. Like we are just Labradors that are in love with Jesus. And, you know, his whole, this dog's whole attitude was, you're my master. I love you very much. Can I, what can I do to serve you? What can I do to please you? I want to please you. I want to please you. I want to squirrel. (laughs) Yeah. It is so true for us. Like all of us in the room, we have a heart for God. 
And when we begin to press on into God's presence, when you want to talk to God, when you want to hear from Him, when you want to, to hear His voice, to see His face, calls you into intimacy, you, you, know, you crack your Bible or you try to pray, and you're getting into it, and all of a sudden you're just like thinking about something else. Uh, today's, this week, next week's scripture verse is Philippians 4.8, which we'll do today too. Um, whatever is, what's the first word? Whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is, what's the next one? What? Oh, you're putting it up there? That's no fun. That's cheating. All right, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent. Chocolate is excellent. I love chocolate. I would really like to have some chocolate right now. I'm so distracted, I can't finish the rest of the scripture. Chocolate sounds really good. I actually know that Jennifer Maglio has some chocolate hidden in her office. And I could rifle through her drawers and find some of that. And that would be a good thing to do with my time right now. Because chocolate is excellent. You see how easy that is. You see how distracted we can get. In our culture, we are masters at this. Like, we can't stay focused on one thing. And it's getting worse as our generations are getting younger. Like, there are way too many options. There are, there are way too many uh, uh, choices that we can make that, that will please us. You're like, here's the cold, hard truth. And this applies to me, too. Like, we are Americans, and we are, ready? We are consumers. Like, the world, our country, our, the United States of America, has wired us to be consumers. Like, I don't know how to fix it. I don't even know if we can fix it. But we need to be mindful of it that we are consumers. We'll go to the next greatest thing. We'll go to the next greatest product. We want the new upgrade on the phone. We want the new outfit. We want... We just can't stay centered. We can't... Okay, well, like, which party do I go to? I'm going to choose the one that has better friends. Like, we will... We, we always... We can't... It's like instant squirrel. As soon as something better comes along. As soon as something shiny hits our, our periphery, we, we're, we've lost connection. And believe it or not... This is a strategy from the enemy of God. The double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, and he fails because he can't stay focused. The double-minded man. Let's not be double-minded. Consistency and focus, we got to have it, specifically when it comes to following the Lord. It's not as bad as it once was, but there were competing philosophies and competing competing religions. I mean, it's if you talk to your neighbors; it's probably there. But I think you know, for most of us, I don't think I think we're really gravitating to the Lord. I don't really think that inside of our church body, there's there's anything that could really take us away from the love of God, for the most part. But there was a season when this church and most churches. We were in competition with New Age movement. Like it was like, wow. I guess they got something really shiny to offer that's attracting everybody. Let's just like not look at squirrels, okay? Let's look at Jesus. So that that uh, wandering mind thing. Let's just 
Let's just not let, let's not allow our minds to wander. So as soon as you see yourself wandering away, hold that thought captive. Center back up on an attribute of God. God is good. God is faithful. God is consistent. God loves me. As soon as your mind begins to wander off. The next tool or weapon inside of the arsenal. All right, let me get to the good one. This is the one that we're going to focus on today. And it doesn't completely make sense. This is the one that I've actually had to work on quite a bit. And, and I do think it's for us today. Like our body, our congregation. Like this is the one of the things that really messes us up. And again, it's not sin. Unless you want to consider it sin. It's not the usual suspects. It's not the temptations that we necessarily deal with. It is an overarching spiritual principality that really can sneak in. It can really infiltrate our ranks. Even the ranks of people that have been believers for a very long time. And it's almost counterintuitive when I, counterintuitive when I say this. You're not going to be like, what, really? Are you ready? Reason can be used by the enemy of God. To actually literally destroy us. Like we're still going to heaven. But reason can keep us from functioning inside of the kingdom of God. Again, this is difficult. Like reason is kind of an important deal. God made us with a brain in our head to think through things. This topic, this subject, the the area of reason is probably more important for guys to hear than gals. Because women tend to be more intuitive. Guys tend to be more objective and practical. Uh, my own personal makeup is that I'm a little more intuitive. I'm a little more subjective than I am objective. Like I, I believe because right, I feel God, right? I, I just, I have this sense that I have this sense that he's real. And so there's no, you know, like, uh, there's not a whole lot of things that can really derail my faith. But I have friends, and they're usually guys. I'm sure there's some gals out there too. But I have uh, Pastor Jody Moore, who spoke at our church a couple of years ago, um, got a great church in Chino. But the, the way that he came to faith, he says, you know, I actually sat down and I reasoned this thing out. I applied my brain to the very fact that, okay, could there be a real Jesus? Could this Bible actually be true? Could the gospel message, could it actually apply to my life? And he came to a saving knowledge of Christ through reason. I don't know. I don't think I did that. Now, I believe that the Bible is very objective and very reasonable. The very fact that it exists blows my mind. Um, Like, I know that this is the objective truth. This is the word of God. And it is, it is, it is life-giving. I've spent enough time studying it that I know, like, it is actually not reasonable for this thing to exist. It's too weird. Or should I say, it's too amazing to exist. Um, If you got one, turn with me to uh, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. The Lord says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. 
Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. What an incredible promise. But this is what God says. This is come and let us reason together. It almost is... It almost kind of implies itself. This whole, uh, though your sins are like scarlet, it's like, you know what? You should actually already know this about yourself, right? So why do I have to bring this up? You know this. You know that you're broken. But know, have this understanding that I am going to cover your sins and they shall be white as snow. And if you are obedient, and if you are faithful, you're going to eat all of the good things of this land. It's absolutely amazing. So, reason is good. Ready for this, though? We're going to make a really hard right here. Reason only takes you so far. Because faith is required. Is faith reasonable? It can be. It can get you to where you need to go. But at some point, we have to choose faith. And faith does not make sense at times. Years ago, we did a debate. We did a, uh, a telecast live debate with a Christian anthropologist and um, the guy from Skeptic Magazine, Schremer, uh, Andrew Schremer, well, I forgot his first name, but Schremer. I mean, he is like the leading authority uh, on, uh, on skepticism. So, like, he doesn't believe us. He doesn't believe in the Bible. He's a full-blown atheist. And sometimes he is a... Um, he's a friend to our faith because he goes after everybody. He goes after alien conspiracy theories, I don't know about that one, but um, I like I like alien conspiracy theories. Anyway, uh, but he'll go after all religions, not just Christianity. So he's very objective. And so they, they launched into this very intense uh, academic debate about the existence of God. And the Christian apologist did a great job. It seemed very reasonable. Like he had all of his points. He had, And they were all logical. They all made sense. And at the very end, it ended this way, where Schwimmer says, okay, apologist, so you, obviously you believe in God, and you pray, you pray to this God, right? You talk to this God? He says, yeah, of course I talk to this God. He says, does God listen to you? Well, yeah, of course he listens to me. And Schwimmer says, then ask God to come down right now and show himself to me. It didn't happen, obviously, but like deep down in my heart, I'm like hoping for, you know, the, the prophets of Baal situation, right? That's like I wanted to see, but it didn't happen. And when we turned the show off, the conversation in the room was like, yeah, that, that apologist really stuck it to that atheist. And I'm thinking in my mind, no, he didn't. Like we lost this one. Like there, there shouldn't be any bragging rights because... The very simple fact that we couldn't produce God in the room for this guy is the very fact that it failed, as far as I'm concerned. So reason reason is good, but here's where, here's where reason can get dangerous. When reason goes into partnership or relationship with any of the other uh, weapons that are inside of the arsenal, that are inside of uh, the fortress, the stronghold, when reason goes into partnership with anxiety 
and fear, then it becomes extremely dangerous. When reason goes into partnership with uh, a wandering mind, then it becomes extremely dangerous. When reason goes into partnership with the reasonability of our current situation, our current social situations, then it's very, very dangerous. For example, premarital sex is not reasonable in our culture. Last four weddings I did, everybody was living together before they got married. Why? It's because it's not reasonable in our culture to wait before we get married. It's just not reasonable. Times have changed. People are getting married older than they were before. I've got needs that need to be met. Like, you can actually reason this thing out. that one alone. <laughs> it's, it's a good one, but I'm going to leave it alone. Here's the illustration. Where reason can lead us to a saving knowledge of Christ to a certain point, uh, again, it can be dangerous. It can be specifically dangerous when we choose to reason over walking in faith. Because reasoning our things out does not make God happy. There's only one thing that makes God happy, and that's faith. I'm not saying we abandon reason. I'm saying that when we make decisions with our mind, that our ability to recognize God's leading, God's prompting, over fleshly reasoning is there. Some of us have got, we have to make decisions. And it is reasonable for us to take the higher paying job over the job that doesn't pay as well, but the culture is a godly culture. Does that make sense? So if we follow our reason, we're going to take the one that's going to pay more, not the one where God is necessarily leading us to do. Reasoning in our faith looks something like this, too. Uh, a couple weeks ago, last week, um, we were at, Mako and I were at one of our favorite restaurants, a little Mexican restaurant. And we love our servers there. We love, we love the restaurant. But out of nowhere, there was a, there was a I felt... Um, an empathy or a compassion for our server that was external, that was not the normal, like, hey, I like you. No, there was something, there was something divine that was going on. There was a, a leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, oh, this is cool, Lord. You're speaking to me. So what, what, what are you saying to me right now about our little friend? And I usually keep my wallet. I don't like putting my wallet in my pocket because it's, I don't know. So my wallet is on the table. And in my mind's eye, the my debit card is like highlighted inside of my wallet. I'm like, oh, that's weird. There's my active imagination engaging right now. Right? You see what I'm doing? 
My carnal mind is already reasoning this thing out. And the Lord speaks to me. He's like, you know, you need to, you need to bless her beyond your normal cheap tip. And in that moment, once again, I am at war in my mind because reason says, you know what? You don't have the budget to give her extra money right now. You shouldn't do that. This is not who you are. Don't, 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 don't be generous. Right? And this is, this is how the enemy of God can use reason to keep us from discernment. You don't want to make reasonable decisions. You want to make discerning decisions. There is a difference between a reasonable choice and a discerning choice. Discerning choices are always right. No matter what the cost is. And sometimes discerning choices, they do cost you. But they're right. It's the right decision that you need to make. When it comes to the things of the Spirit and the supernatural... They are not reasonable. Miracles are not reasonable. The only way they become reasonable is when we have the mind of Christ that sees the supernatural and is like, yeah, that makes sense because I have the mind of Christ. But I guarantee your atheist friends will not see things the same way. It's the Bible says it's literally impossible for an unbeliever to believe the things that we do and the way that we believe them in our hearts. It's completely impossible. Uh, this is highlighted, this very fact that, uh, that miracles are not reasonable is actually highlighted in the Gospels. This is Matthew uh, chapter 16, verse 8. So this is the whole uh, feeding the multitudes story. You know this story very well, but this is the way that Jesus points it out to them. He says, you know, you need to, we need to feed these guys, right? And they began to talk. They began to talk among themselves. I don't know for sure, but they're probably complaining. Like they're, probably, they're, they're, they're coming up with faults. They're, they're, they're griping about something. There is an area, there's a condition of the heart, but probably more so there's an area of the mind they haven't completely controlled yet or given it over to Christ yet. And Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, ready for this, O oh, you of little faith, why do you reason? Among yourselves. Right? Do you see what reason can do to our faith? Like you can like literally just reason yourself out of a miracle. You literally can reason yourself from getting through an impossible situation. You came up with all kinds of excuses as to why it shouldn't happen. One of the things that I've learned in this past couple weeks is that how do you overcome this stuff? How do you overcome these weapons that are inside the enemy's arsenal? There, there are a lot of them, obviously. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't. How am I going to begin to juggle all these things? One of the things that I did this week is I didn't like document it, but I was at least mindful of it. So, okay, Lord, how much time, like what percentage of time am I actually spending thinking about all of the negative things that are going on in my life. As you know, I have a few negative things going on in my life. My kid's sick. Totally sucks. It's not right. I don't like it. And I spend probably way too much time obsessing about it and thinking about it. That's where I'm at. So what am I to do? 
Like, there's certain things I can't control. There's certain things that I can. In this area of, I don't know exactly what to call it, brokenness, hurt, disillusionment, I don't know what it is. In this area that, 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 that my family, what we're, what we're walking through, that we're going through, um, and I'm going through this series, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm going through this series, I'm talking about, let's be a positive Christian here, right? Does that mean that I completely stick my head in the sand and ignore my emotions? Of course not. Jesus was the most joyful person on the planet ever. Like, he was the ultimate happy camper, Jesus is. He, He really is. He is funnier than any comedic you could possibly think of. He is wittier. He is, he, he want to, people were so attracted just to be around him. They couldn't help it. If you got around him, you're just like your whole, your whole being lifted up because he was so full of joy. And yet the Bible says that he was a man of sorrows because his heart was breaking for us. So somewhere in there, there's some wisdom. When I figure it out, I'll tell you. But I learned that And I'm still learning if I spend a majority of my time worrying about things that I can't fix, it affects my mental state and it affects my situation and it affects my growth and it affects my spiritual maturity. So it is not reasonable for me to obsess about reasoning. And I think that that's probably where we get ourselves stuck. Like, I think that, like, there's full, we've got all kinds of addictions going on right now, right? Addiction is the name of the game these days. We're addicted to something. Okay, dare I say, is it possible that you could actually literally be addicted to reasoning? And this, this, this attitude and this, this mindset of always trying to figure it out, always trying to come up with the answer, always, ready for this, always trying to bypass God's faithfulness, when we should just trust in him, when we should just embrace the process instead of just circling ourselves into circular reasoning where there are no answers, but there's only stress. We need to break out of that one. Again, how do we do it? And this is the next scripture memorization verse that we need to get. I'm not saying that we read this, it's going to heal your broken heart. I'm just saying, like, you can be a joyful person, and you can be a, a person of sorrows the same way. Um, this is, again, this is Philippians 4.8. So this is, like, I, again, I was trying to take inventory of my mind. How much, what percentage am I focusing on all these bad things that are going on in my life? And what percentage am I focusing on God's goodness? And it was tough. It was very tough. And this is what the Word of God says that we should do. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is pure, is it pure or true? Whatever is true, whatever is true, whatever is true, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, let's try and spend maybe 40% of your brain power thinking about things that are true instead of imagining things that are not true or imagining things that, ready for this, imagining things that actually, that could happen. How many people spend way too much time thinking about bad things that could happen? Well, that really could happen. 
I, I, it, is, it, is, it is reasonable that I could get a flat tire on the way to work. That could happen. And it would be just like that to happen to me because this is my life. Is that true? No, it's not true. It's an imagination of the brain that was put there by the enemy of God. This is the one that I'm really fascinated with. I, I, I'm fleshing it out in my own uh, discipleship or my own time with the Lord. But whatever is noble, like what does that mean for Americans? Like I said, we're consumers, but we're definitely not from nobility. We broke free from that bondage, right? We don't understand nobility. The royal house burned our capital in 1812, right? So we just don't like, we got something against nobility. But here's the thing. We serve a king. We serve a king. And he is noble. And we are, we, if, we, if we attach ourselves to our true identity, we are a part of royalty. Every single one of us that calls on the name of the Lord. Every single one of us that, that, that sees themselves as a son and daughter of God. We are nobility. We're princes and princesses. We really are. And so, okay, what, is, what, is, what does it mean for me to walk in royalty? To, to, to have a noble mind over, I don't know, whatever perverse, whatever. And whatever mind you, you, you think you have. I don't necessarily know that the American mind is the good mind to have anymore. I think the noble mind is the good mind to have, the mind of Christ. Whatever is right, we really need discernment these days on what is right and what is wrong. And I, I guarantee you, like, if we allow the conviction, not condemnation, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit to come in and work on our hearts, we will know what is right and wrong in this world. Like most of us have a moral compass, but the way that things are going right now, some of these lines are getting really gray, and we need to know what is right. And the Holy Spirit will tell us what is right. And we need to focus on what is right instead of focusing on what is wrong. It, what, focusing on what is wrong sells a lot of newspapers. Actually, newspapers don't sell anymore. The, I don't know. It's all clickbait now. Clicks are what sells. And marketers know that the more negative stuff they put out there, the more false stuff that they put out there, the more clicks they get. People aren't clicking on the good things that are going on in the world. They're clicking on the bad things that are going on in the world, and it's making marketers a lot of money. What's the next one? Uh, Whatever is pure. That one's pretty straightforward. Whatever is pure. How much percentage of your brain power is focusing on things that are pure? What are you watching on TV? Is it pure? I'm not just talking about the bad stuff, but there's a, I mean, there's a spectrum of impurity that's on, that's on the brain, on the TV waves. It just, is, what are you focusing on? Is it pure? Find something that is, that is pure. Whatever is lovely. This one's great because, again, um, Lovely. When was the last time you stopped and smelled the roses? Like literally. When was the last time you just took a deep breath and said, oh my gosh, God, this is lovely. Do you know how good that would be for your soul? To actually reflect on God's beauty, on, on things that are lovely? Instead of all the other craziness that's going on? You know what I do sometimes? I just look at the mountains. I'm like, oh my gosh, those are incredible. 
purple mountain majesty, literally. They're so cool. We take, we're, like, we've got the most amazing mountains, like, right there. Like, go to the Midwest. Like, that, that was like, what? We're, I've got no sense of space here. Where are the mountains? Oh, it's so incredible what God can show us. I was just thinking to myself, like, okay, you know I'm a big art history person. I went an entire week without looking at art online. Like, wow, that's not good. I need to get back into things that are lovely. Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, you think about these things. Can you do it? 50% of your thought life this week? 51%? What do you think? This is how you starve the enemy out. Praiseworthy. Praiseworthy. What is praiseworthy in your life? Not a whole lot, Pastor Josh. You don't know what I'm going through. That's a really good reason for you to be down the dumps. Because you've got a lot going on. Don't reason yourself out of praising God. You want to win these battles? You do it through praise and worship. This is where the victory takes place. And we can do it. We really can. But being mindful of all these things is going to be a huge thing. Being mindful of what you're thinking about, thinking about what you're thinking about, having a conversation with yourself, it's going to be a, it's going to be a big thing in your life. And we're going to do it. We're going to get through it. All right, get your scripture card out. Let's read it together again. And let's get the band to come on up to the front. All right, we're going to say this together. So why don't you stand with me? We read it. We've reasoned it. Um... Oh, I didn't get to James. Um, I'll save it for next week. Let's just read this over our lives. I want the idea that I want to communicate is that I want to encourage you to be not just readers of the word, but doers of the word. You, you, doers of this word, applying actually. Like physically, mentally, spiritually applying the word, literally living it out. So, this is how we do it. Ready? On the count of three. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Philippians 4 eight, Pretty awesome, huh? All right, uh, get the ushers to come to the front as we get back to the Lord. A lot of things going on. Uh, I got some exciting announcements. We're going to have uh, in the whole upgrade your church thing and getting this place spruced up and cleaned up a bit. Uh, we've got a major installment coming up on next Sunday. So we've got a surprise for you next Sunday. Uh, i got some other additions coming up. So you're going to be seeing some physical um, changes coming up that that is because of your faithfulness in giving back to the Lord. Uh, so let's pray. Close your eyes, bow your heads.
Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for the work that you've been doing in our, in our thought life, in our minds. And God, right now, I even just speak into our chemistry. For those of us that like, we literally cannot biologically help the way that we feel or the way that we think. And we're so grateful that we have healers in the land from doctors to pastors to counselors that can walk us through it. And so, God, may we embrace the process of transformation. Transformation takes place in the renewing of the mind. So, Father, I pray right now through discernment that you will show us where to go what to do, what to practice as we continue the renewing of our minds. May we take every thought captive and we make them obedient to Christ. We believe. We trust in you. We put our faith in you. Because you have always been faithful. Bless us today. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.